Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! And we're back, folks. This was yeah. a fantastic game, the halftime show. They're really showing some some promise there, especially where they lobbed the ball into the the hole, which gives who's, you points. Who's, right? who's lobbing balls into holes? Zach, uh, I am not Zach. Oh, you know what? It's time, Robbie. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Uh, well, good <laughs> afternoon. How are you doing, Alexis? <laughs> Yeah, how are you doing over there? Uh, so good. I just got back from L.A. Um, I have like... Oh, great. One more trip <laughs> to grab my stuff, and then I will be... Fantastic. Fully moved out of my place. Yeah, my nephew came down and like helped me this time, because, you know, a girl... Oh, wonderful. A girl can't Damn. do it by herself. <laughs> That's true. You that are no true. independent, strong woman. You are in need of a man. Wow, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Jeez. Wow. I don't know. You teed me up for it. Come on. <sighs> We're off to a rip-roaring start. A Hello, rip-roaring everyone. Start. We're the film majors. Hello, folks. I'm Zach. I'm Mick. My name is not casual misogyny. I thought that was yours, Mick. Uh, no, but I'm Alexis. <laughs> Zinger. Bada-bing. <laughs> yeah, and we're uh, we're doing our thing. We're uh, This is our last episode of Academy Darlings Month. That's right. Wow, sad to see her go. Love to watch her leave. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, what is that from? Uh, face Off. Face Off, <laughs> yes. An, an Academy Award winning talk film. About, talk about our topic of the day. Yeah. Oscar snubs. <laughs> How did Face Off never get that? Yo, for yeah, real. Well, way to spoil it, man. Yeah, well, uh, what are we doing? What's going on? I messed up the question and I, I, I gave you an opportunity. I'm surprised. Yeah. That's okay. I feel like I've been I've been hopping on that. Yeah, my mind's lately. been like too oh, many places to really be trying to steal the show in that way. <laughs> have, uh, have you seen any movies lately? Anything good? Anything worth shouting out on the show? Oh, you know me. I have been continuing <laughs> my oh, Adam Driver guy. marathon. Um, oh, man. It's been great. Actually, you know, actually, uh, you know, besides the whole like Kylo Ren thing, which I, you know, enjoy, um, I just really like him as an actor. I don't know. I just really like watching him. He he didn't necessarily hot take. I, you know, it's just like he came to it like he didn't like, you know, come out of like, you know, a lot of actors like come out of like high school, you know, knowing that that's what they're going to do. And he ended up making a pit stop at the Marines, you know, and then coming back to it, probably the only Marine that I am like, yeah, hell yeah, my boy. <laughs> you, you're the only, he's the only one you're thanking for his service. Yeah. I'm all, if he asked me to watch Black Hawk Down, you know, like I think I have to make an exception. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't he? How long was he in the Marines? Wasn't it brief? He like hurt his leg, right? Yeah, he got some injury. Uh, and then... It was like I think it was like almost two years, but yeah, he got injured like doing something, and so he got medically discharged. It's probably. Is that another reason why you like him? Like you, you twisted it, your ankle, and he probably twisted yeah, are you, his. Are you and feeling they, like you're? Oh yeah, like with I, I purposely t- recently twisted my ankle so that we would both be. Uh, so you can, <laughs> yeah, you wanted to, you wanted to gain more. You wanted to gain more insight into the mindset of Adam Driver to yeah. better uh, better <laughs> stalk your prey. It's very method, Alexis. Yeah. Hey man, what can I what can I say? I am committed to the bit. <laughs> 
You, I've always said bit. that about you. You got to commit to the bit. Right. So, uh, so, what Adam Driver yeah, films yeah, have you been watching? Us. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we know we know she's obsessed with Adam Driver. Yeah, so, she goes through wait, these. So we, the only four understand. movies that I watch are all four movies that he has been. <laughs> yeah. Well, which ones? Okay, so uh, the anticipation is fucking killing tw- me. 2013's What If with Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan, and Adam Driver is in it as like Daniel Radcliffe's like uh, best friend, and uh, it is actually like a really cute like rom com. Like I would admit that you know it's you know it's not like the best, but it was like an indie rom com. So you know those are always a little bit you know higher up on the totem pole. Um, that's the one where Did you like say Kazan. Yeah, no, but this is the movie that he's like, I just had sex and I'm going to eat nachos. This is the best day of my life. Um, so, yeah, I remember that coming out and wanting to see that. I never saw it. Yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, I, I, never thought, saw it I thought it was cute. Like, uh, I thought that the script was like pretty decent. Like, it's like a lot of like witty, clever banter going back and forth between like Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan. Um, and then I watched uh, Annette, which is like this rock musical that he's in, which was <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i don't that's a that's a leo's corrects movie right yes and uh i think the general consensus is bad movie by a good director um i mm. can't you know me i love musicals and even i am like i don't know about this one the fucking what else is that he was he done he's done he did holy motors i haven't seen that i haven't either he's a, apparently a very strange director. I, yeah. I want to check out both. Alexis, you said he's motors. a good director. Have you seen his other work? No, no, no. But just like based on like all the reviews that, uh, you know, of people that like have seen his work, he is definitely like he's got uh, a lot of like strange things going. And even this movie is very strange. Like the the child in question, Annette, is played by a puppet um, who I'm just going to say, like, whoever made this puppet was really like they really were just like, fuck you, Adam Driver. They gave her her like these big like ears that stick out and i was like like i get it it does look <laughs> like adam driver but that's kind of fucked up <laughs> got him and then uh this movie patterson which is by jim jarmusch who's the one who did Ooh, i've been wanting to see that yeah only lovers left alive and then um the dead never die is that what it's called the dead don't die the dead, the don't, dead die. don't die yeah. yeah so uh he also did this movie patterson and it's basically adam hmm. uh driver as a bus driver adam bus driver <laughs> yeah. Yeah. registered driver yeah. the wheels on his bus go up and down but he's like he's like a poet and uh, that's I not actually... the song <laughs> hold up what no <laughs> He just said the wheels on his bus go up and down. Oh, he's busting. Why are you coming at me like that, man? I hated that. The audience heard it. <laughs> he's busting. you heard it twice. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first. Adam Driver is busting. <laughs> he is Oh, bussing. my God. <laughs> and it is going up and down. Okay. My parents are probably so confused actually, right now listening to this. I actually really liked the movie. Uh, I really liked listening to it because he's like in a lot of this, he's like reading the poetry that he's like writing. And instead of like reading it in like, you know, like like stand like stanzas, he kind of reads it like as if he's like really creating it in the moment. So there's like pauses where, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think to take the pauses, I guess. Um, and then the other movie was a 2013 movie tracks with I'm going to butcher it and I do it every time. Mio, which is 
Mia Wachikowski? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, <nailed> exactly. <laughs> um, but it's about this woman, Robin Davidson, who did this 1,700-mile journey from uh, Alice Springs in Australia all the way over to the ocean. Um, just her and, this is, and four camels and a doggy. <laughs> this is Pete Davidson's mother. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That's canon. Yeah. Is that a joke? <laughs> Anyways, he, uh, it's yeah. like shaped like a joke. It had like some of the elements of a joke, but it lacked, had words. It yeah. lacked humor. It had words. <laughs> Adam Driver plays the, the, the fucking pho- photographer Rick Smolin. Um, so that and they have like this kind of like a little bit of a an affair. Um, but I don't know. I thought he was really cute in this movie. I don't know. There's just something about him in 2013. He looked exceptionally good. 2013 to like 2016. Beautiful, beautiful time for him. I I love these. I love these obsessions that you go through, Alexis. You go through these phases and Adam Drivers is this turn. Fascinating to watch. Last summer it was Austin Butler. Yeah. I wonder who will be next. Yeah. You know, the, is there anyone on your radar that we should know so about? What's so funny about this is that I've seen tracks before, and that's because I went through this like obsessive like couple months where I was watching only Mio movies. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I was watching See? all of her movies, <laughs> so I had seen tracks, and like I, it was probably one of the first things I'd ever seen Adam Driver in, actually. I also saw Adam Driver in a movie for the first time in 2013 because he's in uh, Inside Lewin Davis, which is oh, yeah, he's my movie so much. Yeah. And I always and remember his voice is so too. low in that one song that he sings. Like, yeah. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, <laughs> yeah. 3, yeah, that's pretty 2, good. 1 second, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that probably might be the first time I ever saw him. Yeah, yeah I, I actually think that Davis. movie was the first time I saw him. I've mentioned this before, but I remember watching Inside Lewin Davis and being like, damn, that is a strange looking dude. Yeah. And then years later being like, and everyone would like to have sex, sex with, with him, him, I've heard. Yeah. I will, I will send a picture me. to the group chat. This man is... Scrumdiddly umptious. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> you are so indecent, Alexis. It's why we love you. She's being yeah. uncouth. Uncouth, unhinged. Yeah, this is definitely unbecoming. like pre Hayes. It sounds like she, she may be coming. Oh god. Second coming of God, it's me. <laughs> um, is there anything else you've seen, Alexis, that's uh, not Adam Driver? Nope. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that is. That's it. Um, I actually think well, that I, I may like, be at the end of my road because there's not much else that I can watch him in that won't make me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see him as a rapist in The Last Duel. And I also don't want to watch him as like. Oh, I put wait on, a minute. Yeah. You haven't seen The Last <laughs> he's Duel He's also yet. in this oh, 2016 boy. movie by Martin Scorsese called Silence, but he plays a Jesuit Ooh. priest. Oh, that's such and a good one. Those are, I'm just saying that 1640 Jesuit Alexis, priest you're listing, is not my type. You're listing two really good movies. Those are both very good films. Yeah. And but, you're denying yourself them because he's kind of problematic in one of them and he's very sickly in the other and by the way you would like him because he's sickly in silence no i already started it and i was like "Ooh, mm, the robe and is not 
doing like like yeah, like it's so funny because it's so Garfield similar to it. like the Kylo Ren look, you know, because it's like an all black kind of robe, but it's just different. This is weird. <laughs> your your boundaries are weird with this man. I'm not quite following it. It's like nah, the robe isn't working for me. Um, but wait a minute, but Andrew Garfield's in it, and you you're kind of low key obsessed about him too, right? Oh, I love Andrew Garfield. He has a special place in my heart. And you couldn't, and that didn't do it for you in silence. Um, he, he the beard, you know, like there, there's got to be things stuck in I, there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> okay, um, I'm trying. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to move things along because yeah. I have movies that I watch. That we've I'd like we've to been, talk about. we've been on the driver bus <laughs> yeah, for a while. We've, we've driven to the end of the road. It's yeah. Um, so I watched uh, a uh, 2005 romantic comedy called Ooh. Just Like Heaven. Okay. Uh, with our boy Marky Mark Ruffalo. I just had lunch with someone yesterday who said that she saw him in person and was kind of taken aback by how hot he is. Oh. Yeah, he's he's America's sweetheart. Yeah. As, I mean, I love him in 13 going on 30. As I've said, I still, I still need to see that. Girl, uh, please. You're lying. <laughs> but as I've said... I, I really liked him in uh, that happening. The, the film that we watched, Wrong Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Just Like Heaven was all right. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Mark Ruffalo does, like, some incredible, like, possessed body comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, like, he really, he does his best com? Bruce Campbell. Yeah, okay, so the premise of the movie is that Mark Ruffalo moves into an apartment, mm -hmm. and it's being haunted by Reese Witherspoon. Oh, okay. And so it's, it's a, like, is she dead or is something else going oh, on? I've yeah. seen that movie. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's fun. Cute. It was cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like no one else in the cast is really given that much, but uh, Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo, they have good chemistry. I enjoyed nice. myself. Um, and then I, uh, keeping up with uh, Blank Check's Danny Boyle series, I watched Sunshine. Oh, yeah. How was that? was very impressed. Uh I'll have to rewatch yeah, that. that. I saw uh, that way too young. I, I thought was, that was didn't a understand pretty it. great movie. I don't really get all the shit that the ending gets. Like it's, I guess it's a little less grounded yeah. than the first two acts of the movie, but I think it works. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot, like a just a murderer's row of people who hadn't quite broken out yet. Killian uh, Murphy, Rose Byrne, Chris Evans. Michelle Chris Yeoh. Evans is in that? Yeah, Michelle Yeoh's in it. Wow. Uh, is Hugh he... Jackman's in it? Huh? Hugh Jackman, is no, he in it? No. No. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I uh, thought he was in a sci-fi film with Danny Boyle. Benedict Wong is in it. Um, Mark Strong is in it. Nice. Oh, I Hiroyuki love him. Hiroyuki Sanada is in it. Uh, My boy yeah, Hiroyuki. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought he was great in it. Yeah. Uh, and now that brings me to... The other film that I watched with uh, young Nicholas here. Hello. And that would be John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, Which Hiroyuki yes. Sonata is also in. That movie is so good. It ruled. It's, it's, I, it's my favorite new movie I've seen this year. Yeah, oh, wow. It's the first time I've... Yeah, it's, it's the first time I've seen a movie this year in the theaters where I'm like, depending on how the rest of the year goes, this is a contender to be in top ten. Really? It's, it's the first time I felt that about a movie. Yeah. Uh, it's... Either the first John Wick or this John Wick is my favorite of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, nobody is doing action like this except for yeah. Mission Impossible. Yeah, um, exactly. Just like, but it's the, also different, it's, too. Yeah, it's different. It's 
a lot more like visceral yeah. and gory. Yes. Uh, oh my god. We get uh, Donnie Yen showing oh, up, Ip Man yeah. himself. Yeah. No. What I love about it is that he does kind of take a backseat, uh, John Wick, to Ip Man a couple of times. So it becomes like a Donnie Yen movie for a fraction of the runtime, and it's fantastic. Yeah. A lot of the seeing movie, them together. A lot of the movie is John Wick versus Ip Man. Yeah. It's amazing. Give me that. It's fantastic. They're injected into my veins. Have you seen Hitman, Alexis? No. There's a lot of kicking and punching, and it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a period piece. It's a period piece. It takes place in the 40s. This sounds so tempting. <laughs> you, have you, you seen like the John Wick movies? <laughs> nope. <laughs> wow. 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 It won't, wow. Well, because so in the someone... first one, the dog, like, I watched, like, the first five minutes, and then I turned it off because I was so sad. <laughs> You couldn't, you couldn't like see a, the dog die. Sounds like a skill issue. Yeah, that is a bit of a skill issue on your part. I, don't I have to guy. say, I, I'm working with someone right now, and I was like, he's like, okay, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see the movie this weekend. I was like, okay, great, I'm gonna see it too. And he texts me today, and he goes, ah, that's a mid wick film. <laughs> and I, and I was like, Wrong. really, really? And he was like, yeah, I just got so tired of all the cartoonish action sequences and you know they're not always realistic in the other john wick movies but like yeah this doesn't really do it for me and i said oh man because i love the fact that they got donnie yen in this and it works so well and he's like yeah i don't i've never seen it man i don't i knew that this guy must be a big deal but i don't recognize him and it made me realize that john wick chapter four definitely rewards those who are already well-versed in the action genre. Yeah, if you're into, like, Hong yeah. Kong action cinema... Yes. Uh, you will the, be, you will you will be rewarded. And we and we both are cut from that cloth. I mean, that's, that's something mm. else. You know, when we were driving home, I was telling you, Zach, that, like, what's so great about this movie, to me, is that it's a new film with kung fu and gun-fu in it. Yeah. And what other what other movies are giving us that? Can't think of anything. The only thing we can do to watch that is watch the classics, and that's fantastic. I'm never going to complain about that, but it's nice to see new movies attempting one of the most fantastic subgenres there is. Again, I think that overhead shot, uh, uh, the YouTube reviewer Chris Stuckman described it as like the Minority Report shot with yeah. the dragon's uh, breath. Yeah. That would have made John Woo proud. Yes. I think it was just so fantastic. So Alexis... Take a chance on it. Take a chance. Take a flyer on John Wick. Take As, a flyer, yeah. Listen, because uh, you know who's in it? Bill Skarsgård, and wait. he is exceptional. <laughs> he's okay, he's the villain in this one. Yeah, no, he's, he's arguably, I think, the best villain of the series. <laughs> uh, also, I will, I will say that I know that you are uh, not not excited about seeing a film where a dog dies. Uh let Which me just is understand my my father, who is like the number one dog person that I know, uh -huh. is a big John Wick fan because he's like, yeah, that's that's the correct response. Right. That's what you should do. If someone kills if your someone dog. Someone kills your dog. You, you go on a rampage. That's the appropriate level of vengeance. And there's such, a, there's such a great moment in this movie with a dog. It's so cute. Yeah, I actually my yeah. somebody explained to me already like how that the first movie like ends and stuff. So uh, like I already know like basically kind of what happens um but so you bring up like i'm not really like i don't love eating like meat but if it is like well seasoned you know like if somebody like really put in that minced garlic i really really love meat um now <laughs> you're saying are you saying that bill skarsgård is minced garlic <laughs> bill skarsgård <laughs> 
is my mid-credit. Folks, you've hit it here first. Get your hot takes from Alexis. Bill Scott's God is mid-scholar. On this action movie that I needed. Wow. <laughs> you should know. I think you'd also really enjoy the outfits he wears. Oh, yeah. He looks like a, he looks like a fancy man. Uh, he's the fanciest lad. He's the fanciest lad. <sighs> okay. Yeah. You're really, see, you're really is, winning see, we me over. See, you just have to yeah, come. You have to come at it from a different point of view. You know. <laughs> and we did. And look at it. Here we are. We came at it from a different you angle, know, and we got her on board. You didn't do as good a job winning her over on silence, but yeah, well done. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm always trying. I'm always trying to get you to the table, Alexis, of other movies that we enjoy. This is the high table. This is the high table. Ooh, great reference. Yeah. Boom. Except the, the problem with. with uh, Andrew Garfield is that there's never been like a movie where I'm like, damn, that man's sexy. So it, it doesn't it doesn't hold the same uh, weight, you know? OK, who are you and what have you done with my friend Alexis? Because there are numerous <laughs> conversations you had where you're like, God, Andrew Garfield. Gorf. Give me a towel. Yeah, but that's like he's like that. he's like a, he's like the thespian, but it's a different type. OK, like I like watching Adam Driver be toxic. Zach, are you following this? Because I can't. <laughs> Follow hey, this. All I'm saying is call me lasagna because I want Garfield to eat me. <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> and we're back. There was a technical error we had just then. Um, so yeah, John Wick Chapter Four. We saw that together on opening night on IMAX, and it was a fantastic time. The crowd whooped and he cheered and hollered, and we were right there with them. Uh, you know, a movie that I saw uh, in theaters that I did not whoop, holler, and cheer. Inside, starring Willem mm. Dafoe. It's that movie. You, you're familiar with it, Alexis, right? Or it's he's playing an art thief that gets stuck in a high rise apartment. You've seen the trailer for it. I think Call I've me seen the trailer. I don't know. Maybe I, I want have, Willem Dafoe to get stuck in me. Yeah. Um, nice. I'm glad you guys overlapped just now because <laughs> I was listening to Alexis and not you, and I think that was a good choice. Um, here, I will. I will maintain that. Um, I don't think it's a bad film. It's just not for me. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like nothing happens. It, you got a guy, he's stuck in an apartment. And I was like, okay, great. And, and, and like about halfway through the movie, I think, oh, are we having a gear change? No. Okay. No, not a gear change. <laughs> just kind of a weird reveal. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I think if you really appreciate uh, like art, like paintings and sculpt, like I mean, like real art, kind of like physical medium stuff. You'll probably get a, a, a kick out of it, I suppose. Um, I'm not that huge into it. Um, it reminds me a lot, actually, of the lighthouse, in the sense of you have Willem Dafoe who's stuck in a single location, and slowly he deteriorates in sanity. Now, one of those movies is entertaining and the other one isn't. Willem Dafoe, as I said in my review, is the best, I think, maybe only good part of the movie, aside from the really cool um, production design that they had of the apartment. He makes it watchable because he's, of course, he's fantastic. And there are numerous uh, bits in the, in the thing that gave me a chuckle. But, yeah, I just, uh, nothing really happened. And in The Lighthouse, it's funny and, and scary and frightening. And in this, it's just dull and I hate to use the B word, but boring. You made a wow. boring Willem Dafoe movie, guys. Tragic. Come on. Tragic. Yeah. 
So I do recommend that people see it, check it out, you know, ignore me, have your own opinions about it. But a, a movie that I saw last night uh, with a mutual friend of ours, Britt, we went to the New Beverly uh, for a double feature. Unfortunately, we didn't catch the second one, which is Practical Magic. They were having a Nicole Kidman night and we saw To Die For. Which, Alexis's face, she, the, I know. the disappointment that she didn't get to yeah. go to that. Try, Alexis, if you still lived in L.A., trust me, you, you would have been the person I took. I would have literally gone the full, like, whimsy goth, like, uh, fucking yeah. No, some attire. people did. <laughs> some people did, <laughs> and it was fantastic. God. And I was, sitting, I was sitting next to her uh, during the, the, uh, the coming attractions bit. And I say, hey, you know, that's called Funky Fanfare by Keith Mansfield. And I sum I was like, that's that's Keith, that's uh, Funky Fanfare by Keith Mansfield. And I sometimes listen to that in my car. And the woman sitting next to me goes, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my face right now, but I was like, what? Yeah, no, I did. Got him. But I have to say, To Die For, which I've never even heard of. It's a Gus Van Sant movie. Mm. Um, Absolute delight. I absolutely loved it. It starts off funny, but then it slowly deteriorates into this this dark, murderous, erotic thriller. This it's a fantastic '90s spin because it's kind of done in like a mockumentary punk alternative style. It's a twist on the femme fatale film noir genre. And it's great. And I honestly think it might be my new favorite Nicole Kidman performance because wow. she fucking slays in this. You still haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut. I still right? haven't seen it. And, it, you know, once I have seen it, that might change. She, she's spectacular yeah. in that movie. She's also very good as Dr. Chase Meridian. In Which Batman they showed Forever. a trailer for. Which, okay, here's another funny thing. What's, what's the guy's name? Robin. What? Oh, Chris O'Donnell. Okay, so in the trailer, Chris O'Donnell, the, the the trailer ends, and Chris O'Donnell goes, "I'm like, I'm here, whether you like it or not." And it cuts the the trailer cuts, and then someone in the audience went, "Yeah, that was for us." <laughs> and it's so true because Chris O'Donnell fucking sucks. Man, I can't stand I, him. I'm so glad that our roommate is not here because he would be up in arms. He has bad taste. <laughs> Wait, what, 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 what movies does he you like Chris why. O'Donnell in? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, those movies that he What else is he on. in? Uh, I don't know. Has he been in anything I else? I hope not. Wait, oh, Whether you, you know like what, it or not. You know what he was in? Is, he was in the uh, 90s Three Musketeers movie. Yeah, With no, uh, I, Tim I got, Curry. I got nothing. Okay. Well, Tim Curry's good, that's good. You're telling me you can't think of any Chris O'Donnell movies? I, I well, thought can, of one. Can you, Alexis? <laughs> I mean, I, I can envision, like, his face, but for some reason, like, I can't envision cool. any of the movies that he's... Like, <laughs> yeah, I, you're I, doing a much better job than Zach. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I, I just remember him playing, like, a bunch of, like, dicks. Like, kind of like, oh, you're not really supposed to, like, really well, like him fun. that much. Is it Chris O'Donnell? Well, Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong yeah, person. Yeah, so then don't cast him as Robin. Ugh, I still get upset about that. Pivoting completely... No, nope. uh, I do have a little bit of this, uh, wrong person thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> hey, I don't know this man. Alexis. <laughs> I've never seen this man before. I've never seen life. this man before uh, in my life. <laughs> so, no, a little bit of entertainment news. Uh, 
It's recently been revealed by Kanye West that he was uh, watching Jonah Hill in 21 Jump Street. Yes. And it made him like Jewish people again. Wow. No one should take anger against one or two individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people. And they say um, art can't change lives, you know? That's right. 21 Jump truth. Street. Eliminating anti-Semitism through the strength <laughs> that of Jonah Hill's performance. That needs to be their new slogan. They got to re-release that it. That should be their new slogan. They should do a re-release. Yeah. He ended that Instagram post with "Thank you, Jonah." Hart. Yeah. And one of the directors of the movie, Chris Miller, uh, just like tweeted that out and was like, "Uh, thanks for watching. I yeah. guess." That, God, man, this, his brain is fascinating. Really just a man who... Is doing well mentally. Should be getting help and yeah. isn't, and at this point it's on him. Yeah, which honestly uh, brings us to our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp. That was a this great segue. Brought to, brought, to brought to you by BetterHelp. Brought to you by BetterHelp. It should be, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have done BetterHelp. I didn't really enjoy you it You didn't like much. it? No, it didn't really work for it me. It was not so great help? Yeah, no. Yeah, well, mediocre help. Yeah, it was mediocre You went with help. the wrong one. You're supposed to go with BetterHelp, not mediocre Oh, ah, shit, okay. Subpar help's okay. It's cheaper. Ah, all right. Well... <laughs> Wonderful. Are we ready to hop out of what's going on? And we're, and we're back. That was a short little break, folks. That was fantastic. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Hope you're watering your plants, yeah. watering the dog. Hope you don't water the dog. Uh, and uh, we'd like to get into our big topic for the day, and that is uh, Oscar snubs. Oscar snubs. Felt like a delicious drink. We snub a dub dub. Uh, what? What? I said snub a dub dub. Ooh. I love no that. Oscars in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Woof. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of dog. <laughs> My God. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're lucky I'm not there. I would fight you right now. <laughs> I know she would. Yeah. I mean, that was a reference to the woof comment. Oh, oh, I tried to kick Mick, but I missed and I kicked his chair and I hurt my foot. Oh, um, so man. I, that, was, that was what I could do for you today, Alexis. <laughs> you hurt your toe. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel good. Um, so, Oscar, Oscar snubs. snubs. Films we felt went uh, under-recognized or unrecognized by the Academy. Yeah. I, I mostly went with things that were nominated and didn't win. Okay. But there's a few... They just uh, didn't get a nomination at all. Yeah, a few nominations that didn't happen that I feel were insane. Okay. Um, obviously, one of my favorite films of all time, The Thing... Uh, even oh, though that is yeah. not an Oscar-y movie. Right. Uh, where was it in makeup? Uh, yeah, that's for real. The, the greatest like special effects makeup of all time. Yeah. Uh, and the fact Rob that it, team, man. Yeah, the fact that it was not nominated was insane. Uh, also, it was nominated at the Razzies for Worst Original Score. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. The Razzies have always fucking sucked. Fuck them, man. Yeah. That's stupid. One of the, just one of the best film scores of all time. You know, Not just appreciating Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Um, mm. And then the uh, two recent acting nomination snubs that I want to bring up are uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. 
Okay. Uh, which he was nominated, right? Was not nominated. He was not even nominated. He wasn't wow. even nominated, and I think he was better than the performance that won and all of the ones that were nominated that year. Eddie Redmayne in uh, The Theory of Everything, which is... I never saw that. I'm not an Eddie Redmayne fan. I, yeah, I'm not a Redmayne boy. Yeah. Sorry, I, don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything I, that I've enjoyed. I'm a, I'm a big Eddie Redmayne fan, but even I thought, like, The Theory of Everything, I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and then the other actor who was not nominated, which I think is crazy, is uh, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed. Oh, yeah. He's incredible That's in that movie. He wasn't movie. even nominated. Yeah. Uh, that, great film. Yeah, that movie, uh, I'll also transition into my things that were nominated but didn't win their category. Uh, First Reformed was nominated for original screenplay its year and didn't win, which hmm. I think is nuts. Okay. So, yeah, those are, I, those are a few from me. I have two that have been bugging me for a very long time. Uh, I'm going to go with... I think the easiest one, low-hanging fruit here, is do the right thing, losing best picture to driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, that's fucked. Oh, um, fuck that, yeah. Yeah. Do the right thing wasn't nominated. No, it was best not picture. even nominated. It also didn't win best original screenplay, Again. which it absolutely yeah. should. Like that movie was so fucking it feels intentionally slept on. I just, it's so good. That, that is, a, you know, sometimes awards from the 80s and 90s, um, I, I particularly feel like they just have not aged well, you know, and that is right up there. Now, to be fair, I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really plan to because yeah. it just doesn't seem like something that seems entertaining, you know? Like, why? I don't, I don't know. Uh, the only thing about it that if I ever go on like a Morgan Freeman uh, marathon, I might throw it on, but it just doesn't interest me. Well, yeah, it's know. like it's tough for like most movies to be better than do the right thing. Yeah, that's like just kind of a seminal work of American filmmaking. Yeah, uh, let alone something that year. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I am doubtful that if I watch Driving Miss Dave, Daisy, I will come away thinking, yeah, you know what? Totally deserved. Um, another, uh, I have four total. Uh, the other one I'm going to say is, <sighs> it still hurts me to say this. Inglorious Bastards did not win Best Original Screenplay and I, lost to Hurt Locker. I have that written down as being snubbed for uh, picture, director, and screenplay. Yeah, it's just like, come on. Yeah. I, I, I think Tarantino has even said, like, you know, when he's lost Oscars before, he's not really upset. He doesn't really care. The one time he was angry was when losing best original screenplay to Hurt Locker. He, he was he was mm -hmm. legitimately like, fucking really? That? I like when was the last time either of you saw Hurt Locker? Exactly. Yeah, never. You've never <laughs> seen it. No, you're not missing much. Yeah, it's not that good. It's really I'm, like it's it's another not, movie that is of its moment, but then it is, has, doesn't really age well. Is that also somewhere around? I don't know, like uh, army or stuff like yes. that. Yeah, it's. See, it's I'm just not rank. drawn to watching movies that have that as like the central theme. I'm. I'm not a big Iraq War era war premise, movie guy. I guess. Yeah, I feel like most. Iraq war era movies aren't really like saying anything about the ethics of that war. No, it's, it's mostly just, just like, like, oh, wasn't it hard on our boys? Don't I, IED suck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe we don't have to fucking be there. <laughs> I've actually never really thought about why I don't like those until now, and it's true. It's yeah, just, that's, that's why. why. Yeah. yeah. It's not like fucking Vietnam movies that like, 
often have something to say about like, like this war fucking sucks because yeah, look what we did to these people and look what it did to us and yeah. just all around sucks yeah yeah no. uh um, okay, so then two performance snubs uh, are the. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but these are two actors they didn't even get nominated. Uh, two best supporting actor noms that should have happened, and these should have been Academy Award winning performances. Delroy Lindo was not nominated for *Defy Bloods*. Yeah, and let me look that up. I think you're that right. That is to this day one of the best performances I've ever seen. Like he just fucking he puts everything into it. He really looks like he's losing his fucking mind. He's there's this one scene and they shot this actually in the jungles of Vietnam where he's hacking his way through the bush and he's speaking to the camera. Defy Blood, that's a Spike Lee film. If you haven't saw it, I think it was a Netflix original. Yeah. Which um, Jonathan Majors is in. That. I just remembered that. Yeah. I think it was another movie I saw him in. Uh, really, really good. Delroy Lindo. I don't, was he nominated? Was not. No, he should have, and he should have fucking won if he had been nominated. And the other one is, speaking of Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe was not nominated for for Lighthouse. Oh, damn. Okay. As right, best supporting actor. Right in line, same year, Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems, was not nominated for best actor. Yeah, it's... And should have won. It's stupid. Who did win best actor in 2019? Uh, I don't remember. Huh. Oh, wait, no. That was... <laughs> that was Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Really? Yeah. That was a bad year, guys. That's the uh, one that I was going to bring up. Was that year Green no, Book no, won for no, Best well, Picture? 2019 Oscars, and, yes. We're we're talking about the Oscars for 2019 oh, yeah, movies. Yeah. So technically it'll be 2020 Oscars. But, but oh, which was a good Oscars because yeah. that okay. was Parasite. That's right. Uh, but sorry, yeah, 2018, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are... 2019. Fucking, fucking bleak. The, 20, the 2019 Oscars. Yeah, yeah, no, because it's like, because you had Roma uh, and I The Favorite to choose from, and you chose yeah. Green Book? Roma's what so the good. Fuck? Yeah, I, I still haven't seen Roma. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I missed it. Holy fuck. It's yeah, really no, good. Do you remember that uh, assignment we had by our professor, David Shear of um, A Treatise to Our World? Shouts out, David. You remember that? Uh, oh I, my god! I modeled yes, I my short film after Roma. I had seen it like the week before we got that assignment, and I was super inspired by the camera movement because Alfonso Cuarón was the DP and director of that movie, if you recall. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do because yeah. you have to get this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, and I wanted to do it all in a single oneer if I could. And it was very much inspired from Roma because that's such a goddamn gorgeous, very powerful film. It's very close to Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, I just can't believe that, like, between the, like, the acting, the costuming, like, okay, so, like, for, like, the favorites, take, for instance, you know, the acting, the acting, the costuming, like, the, the different, like, the, the fucking lenses that they used for that movie, and, and for that to not be, like, the, the, the pick, maybe, or Roma, where it's, like, the cinematography was just so beautiful, and then you have this story that's just, like, entrenched in, like, historical, like, artifact, you know, and is also still telling a very personable, story like the sets they built were amazing for that and the earthquake sequence yeah incredible i also just like yeah the favorite was another movie that i almost wrote down on my list because both it and first reformed got beat out in original screenplay by green book really yeah fuck off dude what what in the actual fuck like 
the favorite Who is here so has seen funny. Green Book? You know? You have. I have. Okay, because I, I have. I have, yeah. yeah. I, have I, I, can, I can talk shit just because other people talk shit, but I do want it stated for the record, I actually haven't seen it. But Alexis, you have. Therefore, you are justified in your anger, it sounds like. Because you've actually seen the damn thing. Yeah, I actually, I'm pretty sure. Let me Let me look back at this list really quick, but I think I can tell you, like, fucking motherfucker. Sing my angel. Yeah, so that year it was Bohemian Rhapsody, oh. The Favorite, oh Black God. Panther, Black okay, Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star is Born, and Roma. Oof. And I've seen every Oof. single movie on that list. I've seen Fucking every hats movie. Up to you. That's a okay. rough Oscar year. Yeah, that is a rough one indeed. <laughs> There's like a couple movies on there where I'm like, that's a very good movie. Right. And then there's a few where I'm like, what well, were we talking about? I personally. I loved A Star is Born, but you know I love my... It was okay. Uh, my yeah, I'm fine with this. That's one um, of the less embarrassing noms on that and list. And then I think Black Klansman's got my that. boy Adam Driver right. in it, so... Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Yeah, that's great. great. It all comes back wow. to Adam Driver. That's Congratulations. Black Klansman. <laughs> Is Adam I managed Driver. to rework him back into the episode. I mean, he was the only <laughs> actor nominated from that movie. Woof. Uh, God damn it. I yeah. need to stop saying woof. Wow. Like, there's too many disappointing things on this show so far. Um, God. Well, it's only going to get worse because I'm going to yeah. talk about some uh, historic ones. Uh, oh, God. For one thing, I'm going to say uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark losing picture, director, and score. To uh, it lost at least picture and score to Chariots of Fire, which is not a movie I mean, that's a really... it's song. Yeah, but it's not the Indiana Jones <laughs> theme. Uh, well, it was it was kind of like a breakthrough because it was like the yeah. first the first time that they were really doing like synthy kind of noises, yeah, I guess, you know, or whatever. Well, I mean, like an doing Oscar it. movie, they, been John doing Carpenter it. had been no, doing it. Yeah, no, they've been doing that shit since the 50s. Forbidden well, Planet was the first one that had synthetic music in it. I, no, but Alexis is right. It was kind of a, a breakthrough synth score. Um, I mean, it's a breakthrough synth score, but like it's it been going on for a very long time. So I don't know why. Why is that a breakthrough score? I, I'll, I'd have to look it up and I don't really want to. I I'm not, I yeah. don't feel like it. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, I'm about to lose all of my. You know what? Actually, no, I'm not even going to no, go, go, go for it. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm about to lose all my credibility in my argument, like right now at this moment, by telling you the reason why I know that is because of the movie, the 2006 movie, The Holiday. Oh my god, yeah, that's also why I know that. (laughs) Because Jack Black talks about it and he plays a film composer. He's fucking incredible in that movie. No, he really is. We should have gotten. He he's the best part of that movie. Act Kate Winslet off the screen, which is crazy. Well, to be fair, she I feel like she's not given nearly as interesting of a role as maybe know. he I kind of is. I think it's just that I Jack Black secret sauce. He's yeah. so fucking watchable. Is Jack Black? Um, yeah. Yeah, he really yeah, is. I uh, love that man. That's the next obsession. It's going to be Jack Black. Good. Start with School of Rock. I've already been there. My mom was really, really liked him when I was growing up. So I've seen most Hell of Jack yeah, Black's movies multiple times. That only, that times, only increases so. your credibility. Yeah, that's, um, you, you've gotten some more street cred. So Thank you. I want to bring up Thank the you. fact that uh, neither Stanley Kubrick nor Alfred Hitchcock ever won Best Director. Oh, Jesus uh, Don't say things like wow. that. Hitchcock was nominated, I think, four times. The ones that he was nominated for that I know that I've seen are uh, Psycho and Rear Window. 
Okay. Uh, which he should have won both of those. And Psycho should have won Best Picture. I don't know what I came out that he year. I don't care. He should have won for Psycho. I think, I, I I think Oliver won that year, which is... Ugh. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. I can't really Oliver. speak on it, but... Huh. It's not. It's not better. Stanley Kubrick never won Best Director. That's what blows my mind. Yeah. more so than Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. Uh, Kubrick crazy. did win an Oscar, but he won for visual effects on 2001. Okay, well uh, done. But well deserved. Wait, I thought he. I thought he also won for. Wait, no, he didn't win. He. It was it cinematography or costume design that Barry Lyndon um, won. Barry Lyndon won. I don't want to say it won cinematography. I hope so. Um. Regardless, Beautiful. yeah, Beautiful. he was yeah. nominated for that movie and he didn't win. Uh, he was also nominated for Doctor Strangelove, mm-hmm. 2001, and that movie was uh, ahead of its time. I believe A Clockwork Orange as well, which like very cool Oscar mm-hmm. nomination because that is uh, not an Oscar movie. No. Um, so, why are we talking about Oscar snubs? Well, because I'm in a, a complicated. I have complicated feelings yeah, what's about the, the what's film the that we're discussing. Because today. the movie we're discussing was not snubbed at all. The film we're talking about today. No, it was is not. Spotlight. Yes. It's a 2015 drama. Uh, it's streaming on HBO Max. It's directed by Tom McCarthy. And uh, this is the synopsis. In 2001, editor Marty Baron of the Boston Globe assigns a team of journalists to investigate allegations against John Gagan, an unfrocked priest accused of molesting more than 80 boys. Led by director, led, led by director, led by editor Walter Robbie Robinson, reporters Mike Resendez, Matt Carroll, and Sasha Pfeiffer interview victims and try to unseal sensitive documents. The reporters make it their mission to provide proof of a cover-up of sexual abuse within the Roman Catholic Church. So... Spotlight won Best Picture, and I love Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I after watching it today, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm I I'm glad this won Best Picture, but and I'm not, yeah, I'm not mad that it won Best Picture. But what didn't win Best Picture, Zachy boy? <sighs> Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, which is kind of like an incredible modern classic. You know, uh, I don't like to throw around the M word, but it is in fact a masterpiece. Yeah, perfect film. It's a perfect movie. Uh, but it speaks to how good Spotlight is. Yes. That I'm not really mad about it. Yeah, no, same. Um, same. And also I would say that it kind of goes the other way as well, because Mark Ruffalo was nominated uh, for his performance as Mike Resendez okay. and did not win. Who did? Uh, from Bridge of Spies, Mark Rylance, I think. Mm. I still have uh, to watch that. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone also nominated <laughs> that year for Creed and didn't win. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, he is, he's right? so good in that movie. Yeah. He's good. But, you know, Mark, yeah. Mark Ruffalo is so, so good, good at Creed. saying, it's time, Robbie. They knew. And they let yeah. it happen. I know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, kids. It's like part of one of the climaxes it's, of the movie. We gotta nail these scumbags. <laughs> We gotta show them that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest, or a cardinal, a priest, not or a, a cardinal, pope. or a freaking pope. Are you done? Oh man, yeah, this is bullshit. There you go. We'll we're, no, we'll Alexis, never that's, be that's done. Michael Keaton's yeah, that's line. what Robbie says right after. I know, I know but also I just want to state for the record <laughs> that I watched that. I watched it today, and I think this is the second time I've seen the movie. And that scene... You gotta pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. That scene is really heart-wrenching. 
Yeah. Like, like him saying that mm-hmm. is like extremely powerful. So I'm not going to lie. I find it alienating that you guys find that so fucking funny because in the context of the movie, it's not fucking it's funny. It's not even really that all. I find it funny. Not, not, okay, I just okay. find it satisfying to I say it. It bugs me. I haven't rewatched this movie since we st- since Zach started that bit and I started like following along with it. But when I was rewatching it, I was like, hmm. yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah, exactly. Conflicted. Thank you. No, I again, I watched it. I was like, my eyes were like tearing up and like you, he's just so fucking angry. He's so fed up. And then yeah. but the thing is, is like in that moment, he is he's not thinking clearly. And that's what Michael Keaton, everyone else in that room is trying to do, which is like, hey, calm down. Get this out of your fucking system. But yeah, that's uh, it's not entertaining. Well, canceled. I, I if you're looking for an apology, you're not going to get giving one. Yeah, I, I stand by it I'm and I will keep it. doing it. I'm not looking for it. Yeah, I'm just saying good. that okay. I hate to say it, Zach. It's oh. better when Mark Ruffalo does it. What? It is. Oh, wow. It, it's better damn. when he does it. Uh, yeah, no. I really do love that moment, though, because it's like right afterwards you have him going to um, fucking uh, Sasha uh, yes. Pfeiffer. Uh, to, uh, she played by so uh, Rachel McAdams, yeah. um, goes to her house and talks to her. And he has this kind he has he like it gives her kind of this revelation of like, you know, kind of like fuck the church like you know i just you know i kind of stepped away from it but there was always a part of me that like kind of wanted to go back and it kind of like really sells like earlier in the film you have phil saviano one of the one of the survivors of assault and he talks about how um this like robs you of your faith right and it's crazy because it's like you know obviously like mark ruffalo's character he he you know he wasn't assaulted or anything but even he is like robbed of this uh the idea of being able to return to faith at any time in his life um because he says like now i can't go back like you know now it's kind of broken something in me you know yeah alexis how does this film play as someone who went to catholic school because I was just going to say, as a secular person, faith doesn't mean shit to me. But to these people, especially that guy where he's talking about, I'm a poor person, you brought up in this community, God is all you have. Like, that's why it's so important for them. But yeah, Alexis, as someone who went to Catholic school, uh, does it affect you differently? Yeah, I, well, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily affects me because uh, even in Catholic school, I kind of always felt distant from faith like I never really had right. like a concept of believing in God like I never felt that closeness that other people felt or felt that adherence to the system I guess of like oh you know this is mm-hmm. what we believe in and therefore we believe in it I always had questions and the answers I was given always had made me like question things more so um right but I mean, when this story broke, I was in the second grade going to Catholic school and, you know, like I'd be getting like dropped off uh, to school in the morning. And my mom was always like very like conscious of just like making sure that I was safe and like always making sure that I knew that like I could always come to her if somebody like did anything to me. Um, But I do very much remember like her specifically saying like, and it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're a teacher, doesn't matter if, you know, they're a friend or <laughs> or a priest. 
or, or a goddamn or a freaking or a freaking god. God. yeah no literally yeah. like she she like doesn't matter if it's a priest or anything like I you can it. you I, can <laughs> you can tell me um but it's, you know that's also it's like a weird thing to think of of just like you know like don't worry like if sexual assault happens to you like you can tell me now go to school at this like catholic church and you don't really understand like that's a hell of a where sentence. this is like coming from but it's literally like part of it is because like that fucking news story broke it broke in boston and then it broke everywhere in the fucking world you know oh yeah yeah it made a fucking splash and, uh, so I would like to be commended for uh, dropping some serious coin on this episode. Yeah, Zach, actually, he dropped a lot of money on yeah, this. Yeah, I spent $1 on a subscription to the Boston Globe Holy so shit. I could read the stories. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, incredible. that's right. So send, everyone praise send me. me. That, send me that sneaky link, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I'm going to do that. Um, but one detail... First of all, incredible writing. Yeah. Uh, I read the story that you see Mike writing uh, at the end of the film, which is uh, focused on John Gagan and the fact that uh, Cardinal Law knew that he was molesting kids for years and just kept moving him around. Uh, so I read that one. I read the second part of that article, which was written by Sasha Pfeiffer. And I believe it's the Pfeiffer article that ends with uh, a quote from a priest who was removed for abusing kids and admitted to it, saying, <laughs> like, calling out the Catholic Church for protect protecting him. Uh, and he says, what they were protecting was their notion that the church is a perfect society. If the archdiocese really wanted to protect its other priests from scandal, they would have gotten those of us who abuse children out of there much earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which really speaks to just like the systemic, like just absolute injustice and corruption. The fact that a someone who benefited from this was like, yeah, that was really fucked up that the Catholic Church was doing that. It's just like, yeah. Eh, this movie is kind of a weird comfort movie for me, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but it, both the film and these articles just, like, put the scale of this yeah. systemic abuse in such stark yeah. relief that it, it makes your blood fucking boil. Yeah, yeah I like, was, It makes you so mad. When you walked in on me watching it, I, I, I was, like, saying it, I had forgotten how much this movie makes me angry. And how sad it is. Oh. Yeah. Um, there's there's so many lines in this film that are so good, but one is I really like it when the when the uh, the priest says, "Knowledge is one thing, but faith, faith is another." Which to me, I interpret that as basically the movie is saying that the church is above consequence. That's what that's saying. Yeah, yeah. you can you can throw facts and truth at us, but it it is superseded by faith. And that really does, as you were just describing and alluding to, that this is such a good David versus Goliath story, which is why um, out of, you know, the three arguably best newspaper films, Zodiac, All the President's Men, and Spotlight, I think that the two real the sister films, the companion pieces are Spotlight and All the President's Men. Because All the President's Men is about Bob, Wood, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, two Washington Post 
journalists who take on the executive branch of the U.S. Is government and the FBI. Yeah. Watergate. Yes. This is a group of four journalists who take on the Catholic Church in Boston, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than the executive branch of the U.S. government. This goes all the way to the Vatican. Yeah. I mean... This is an international organization yeah. dating back thousands of years. Thousands of years. It's like that, that line, line in the movie, The Church Thinks in Centuries. Yeah. Is so true. I mean, this has been going on. It's, it See, really we can does. bring up other lines from Spotlight. It, it really... It, yeah, there's so there's so many good ones, really. It's um, like okay, another really good line is when you have um, Garabedian who such a fucking good performance, great performance. <laughs> Look, if you're gonna make, how do we make Garabedian instantly likable? You cast Stanley Tucci. You get the tooch. You get the tooch. You get the tooch. <laughs> that man is such a good cook. Have you ever seen any of his TikTok videos? Wonderful chef. No, uh, I've seen a little bit of his uh, his cooking show. I've read some of his cookbook. Oh, you guys are so cute! And <laughs> so we all have. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. it was yeah. Cause uh, goodbye TikTok. I can't fucking wait. Oh my god, I'm counting down the days. But anyways, <laughs> uh, big night, great film. When I started watching this movie in the first like ten minutes, I was immediately brought comfort because I love a movie where you have great fucking actors playing great fucking characters. Like, that's a simple thing, but like right there, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo, the guy with the mustache. Great mustache, by the way. That's a good movie stash. I enjoyed the stash. You have Richard Jenkins coming in as uh, Richard... Sipe. Uh, yes, Sipe. Sipe. Which, again, it's another great little casting choice. Yeah, I love and he it. never appears on screen. He never yeah. does, which is too bad, because he's one of my favorite character yeah, actors. because one of the things that he's... Is this is kind of what you were talking about earlier, is, like, did this kind of change your perception of, of like, the church in your eyes? And one of the things that I really like that he said um, is that the church is an institution, Mike, made of men. My belief is in the eternal. And... Um, and I really wish that that is like the the point of view that a lot of people would take with the church, you know, is to recognize that it is an institution made of men, a Bible written by men, and that, you know, if you're going to have a belief in something, be it in the actual higher power that you believe in, you know? Yeah. Organized religion is a desecration of faith. Mm -hmm. Who said that? Somebody. I don't remember who. <laughs> All right. I just remember someone saying that once. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, Julie this, Childs. This movie also just got me thinking about, like, the fucking, like, conservative talking point that's, like, you know, Hollywood is so degenerate. It's, it's you know, full of yeah. pedophiles and abusers. And yeah. I'm like, like, well, that is not necessarily an unfair assessment after yeah. some but like fuck you yeah. you are the kind of people who yeah. are dropping your kids off to religious institutions yeah. I, who systemically abuse children this like, is, get off your fucking high horse the grooming is coming from inside the house I, I, I know what I'm about to say is problematic but I'm going to step in it a little bit look Obviously, this, the Church of Scientology deserves the ire that it gets. The, the, what? Yeah, I know. Fuck you. But at the end of the day, if I have to choose one religious institution that knocks Scientology out of the fucking ballpark with its audacity, it's the goddamn Vatican. It's the Catholic Church. Yeah. Also, the Pope has never hung on to the side of a plane. And until he does... Yeah. Thank you. No, you're... You know what? I can't God believe you guys it. are this fucking is why shaking we get along. hands over that. 
Jesus Christ. Really? Because I can't. Dun, 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 That's dun, the dun, only dun. problem with Spotlight is it's not a Mission Impossible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fired. You're uh, all done for so, the day. Take off. Uh, Alexis, I'm seeing you're holding a, a big page of notes, and I'd like to know what that is. Did you rip that from the Bible? <laughs> you wish. Um, no, no desecration of Bibles, unfortunately. Um, so when I was in t- 2017, I wrote an essay uh, that referenced this uh, op-ed piece from the New York Times called The Banality of Systemic Evil by Peter Ludlow. Um, but basically, it kind of uh, it refers back to an original uh, term the banality of evil by this woman Hannah Arendt who was doing yeah, right. this like uh, kind of covering uh, this trial of this guy who was uh, basically not necessarily like in the in the Nazi regime like f- like really fully he was he, more of like no, a middleman kind of you know he was part he, of the he, final he solution was a Nazi, though. you know like yes. doing the no yeah. like like doing the paperwork basically and all that stuff you know and um, yes. Uh, Anyways, but so she had a lot of like critiques on like what she had written, but what he's specifically talking about is slightly different. Uh, and is it okay if I kind of read a little bit of this? Because I took like some notes from the essay that I wrote. Go for it. Okay, so it says uh, the banality of evil is a statement about what happens when people play their proper roles within a system, following prescribed conduct with respect to that system, while remaining blind to the moral consequences of what that system was doing, or at least compartmentalizing and ignoring those consequences. Um, which was the idea of banality of evil was made famous by Hannah Arendt and it details the ideal that in order to properly function, there must be a certain level of obedience to the system. And uh, another thing that Peter Ludlow says is that recognizing systemic evil does not require rank of intelligence, just honesty of vision. And I said that this suggests that like, while anybody in the organization, uh, organizational chain has the power to see these systems malfunction, they have to choose to see them. Um, and I really liked kind of that idea and when they talk um, about who's to blame before Robbie admits that he ran Metro when they buried the clip on the 20 priests. Because <clears throat> it's just kind of like all the crumbs were there for them to follow like the entire time. But somebody just really yeah. had to, like like Baron says, is to shine a light, you know? And I really like that that comes... A spotlight. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. It's like, I love that that comes at the end because it brings a new meaning to their whole team of like spotlight, you know, to shine a light on that. And then basically that like this like reporting on this stuff because Peter Ludlow was specifically talking about like whistleblowers and stuff back in like 2013, you know, like Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden and things like that. And so he was saying that like, it's a certain type of like civil disobedience essentially. And that for this purpose, it's the symbolic violation of given protocol rather than the rejection of the entire system in question. Um, Because usually civil disobedience is like, you know, like, it's you know having to do with like actual laws but this is rather like more like moral 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 law you know it's not a real tangible law that somebody is like signed into being it's just what we accept you know so yeah uh anyways the very last part (laughs) was uh clearly there is a moral principle at work in the actions of the leakers whistleblowers and hacktivists and those that support them because there can be no expectation that the system will act morally upon its own accord. So looking at the situation this way, it's the absence of morality in an institution that forces others to act upon their own moral codes, which is, you know, essentially what 
you know, reporters have to do. And like pretty much all those people that ended up going on the record and, you know, ended up talking to those reporters, they had to act upon their own moral code um, because the church was acting without morality. Hmm. Nice. I heard someone recently on another unrelated podcast say something like they they only trust humans as individuals because they believe that humans are inherent have inherent good but they don't trust humans as a collective because of things kind of what we're describing here like saying like a person is smart people are dumb stupid panicky animals right uh it's kind of what it reminds me of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Well, that kind of reminds me of Jones like said. so like one of the Dr. things that the Richard. like a, one of the ladies says like when they're like doing like the little montage <laughs> and interviewing people, she says, uh, "Oh, were uh-huh. you feeling like pressure from the church?" Uh, and uh, she's like, "Well, not just the church, you know, from my friends and from the other parishioners." Yeah, from the, my fellow yeah. parishioners. Yeah, you know? yeah. and that yeah. that see Which those moments, those are those are what hurt me, and you know, especially when Saviano says like they rob you of your faith. Like, um, I think mm-hmm. I wrote this down, but oh yeah. So like when you're a poor kid from a poor family, church matters a lot. And it's like church provides right. a sense of community and belonging, especially when you're poor in a world that like sees you as being like beneath others, essentially. And so, but we're mm-hmm. all equal in the eyes of God. And that's what you're like supposed to believe, like in, in the faith, right? Is that we're all equal underneath the eyes of God. So you kind of see that extension in the eyes of like the priests that you encounter, that they have that same ideology, you know? So for them to uh, pervert and that that ideology you know that's so that's so fucking hurtful to your sense of belonging in the world and your community you know yeah they're robbing you of that as well also just real quick on the banality of evil uh hannah arendt was covering the trial of adolf eichmann just want to want to get that in there because i feel like there are people screaming at us right now yeah thank Uh, you for the assist there we go. I know. I, uh, I meant to say okay. Adolf Eichmann, but I it was on the back of my page. So I didn't. Yeah. There we go. I meant to say his name, but also the essay I was I wasn't actually talking about her essay. So he he yeah. kind of mentions uh, like yeah. uh, something from her, and I did actually read her thing her piece earlier today, but I don't really agree with like kind of what she had to say. So. Yeah, she's kind yeah. of a complicated figure. Com- uh, complicado. There's yeah. like quite her, a lot of critiques of what she had to say, and I can see where a lot right. of them are coming from. Um, for so. sure. Anyways, spotlight. I would like to get into why it's a comfort film for me. Go for uh, it. Because I brought it up earlier, and I can understand how that might be a little confusing, as this is an incredibly dark film. Zach, I'm a little confused when you say that. This is an uncomfortable movie. How could it be comfortable for you? Well... What I find comforting about Spotlight is uh, I I like a movie where institutions are functioning in a way that bends towards justice because uh, I feel like that so rarely actually happens in life. Yes. Uh, and even though this movie is infuriating and is... You know, filled with systemic abuse. It is about people who care about doing the right thing and bringing 
systemic abuse to light and they do their fucking jobs. Then you and really should watch Mark, other Mark Ruffalo movie, Dark Waters. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to check that not, out. Not, was, not nearly as good as Spotlight, but it is. I was planning on watching that this week. I just ran out of time. It's um, on the shelf. Uh, it sure is. Uh, but yeah, it's it's something that I also I love about Zodiac. Uh, <laughs> that you know, that's that's a film about someone who uh, you know gets obsessed with solving this case because yes. uh, a grave injustice has been done, and it seems like nobody cares. Yeah, um, I might watch that tonight. Actually, great film. Do we have that on the shelf? <laughs> oh, buddy, we sure do. Yes, we do. Um, we don't have Spotlight on the shelf. Which is fucked. Which is we not, should. Yeah, after re-watching this. Is there anything more you have to say about it oh, being a comfort film? Oh, that was just my, my little blurb about okay. why I find Spotlight to be comforting. Well, I would like to talk about, very quickly, a fantastic, you know, this is a film. I would like to talk about a great shot in this movie. Yeah, because the craft of this movie is largely pretty invisible. This is a yes. very understated film. It's an unstylized film. Yeah, there are not a ton of shows camera moves. It so is the wait, opposite. Zach, if this is an unstylized picture, how does one bring style to the end product? Well, let, let, uh, if I may, Zach, I know that question was for you, but I'll go ahead and answer it. Uh, well, there's one way that we can <laughs> throw you off a goddamn building. <laughs> one thing that's fantastic about this film is and I know people talked about this all the time when it came out, but so often when, you know, they actually shot in Boston, thank God, uh, you have so many shots, especially when you have the montage of them going door to door, house to house and asking people about their experiences. You have church spires in the background, like the Catholic church is both metaphorically and literally casting a large dark shadow on this entire community. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Shot Alexis, I know you're asleep over there, but one other thing that you've mentioned that you really like is when you have a church with the playground in front of it. Yeah. Holy shit. That's really tough. That's another really great image. But one, the one shot I want to talk about is where you have the spotlight journalists in their office and they're all on the phone with Richard Sipe. Sipe. And he's talking about how they're, they're mentioning, okay, we have 13 confirmed priests here yeah which would be a huge fucking problem which which is a huge problem and that's a huge splash i'm like if you saw that on a headline today 13 priests accused quite a big story that's a big story um he says that seems statistically off in our the the 30 years i've been studying this we find six percent of priests act out sexually with minors sexual misconduct and abuse with minors and out of all of the priests that comes to around 90 and the shot starts, it's about a full shot, and everyone is large within frame when they start the conversation, because they're feeling good. They, got, they, 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 they have a solid story. They're going to bring this to light. They have 13 uh, confirmed cases. That's a huge story. And by the end of Richard uh, Sype talking about how you have far more digging to do, this is much bigger than you realize, the camera is dollying back slowly and slowly and slowly. You almost don't even notice it. It's so slow. And by the end of the shot, once it's revealed of how gargantuan, how monumental this conspiracy likely goes, the camera is far away in the corner and our team that looked so big in the beginning of the shot is now so incredibly small. Yeah. Because it really does visually represent probably how they feel, first of all, having that conversation, but also just how far away they are from the true goal of this, which is to which is to indict the system. 
which is something that was uh, what's the name of the editor played by played masterfully by Liv Schreiber. Liv Schreiber's so good. He's so good uh, in this. Marty Baron plays the editor. Marty Baron is the editor. He doesn't just play him. He's he's the uh, he's the guy that basically says, "Look, like we kind of attempted this before, and it it you know hit the wall and nothing happened." Yeah, we have to go after this. Like, show me proof that this is a systemic issue which is so so smart and oh god so sorry there's a there's a bit here where he, when he's having his meeting his his uh his meeting with the archdiocese is it or is it the cardinal yeah the cardinal who who is in charge the of the, the cardinal the cardinal the cardinal the cardinal the cardinal Gar. He talks about how Gar. he once was a, working in a newspaper. There's a cardinal talking. I once worked at a, as a newspaper editor in Mississippi, and they looked at me as a meddling outsider. Gar. And in his experience, people flourish, and organizations in Boston flourish, and they would do well to work together. Yeah, when they're great institutions, work together. together. And I love how he just so calmly claps back going, well, you know, all due respect to my experiences journalism thrives when it stands alone oh i get chills i yeah fuck that is such a such a good scene and i also love how another character later on talks about alludes to the fact that Liv schreiber is a meddling outsider because he's jewish yeah garabedian and, brings that up right he um, says it takes an outsider right exactly but well, I, I was referring to the other guy who works for the church oh it's like, yeah this guy he was in New York. He made his splash. He went to Miami. He made his splash. He made his money. You know, he's coming here to do this. He's going to be gone soon. He's not one of us, is I think is what he says. Yes. He's yeah, not basically. one of us. You, on the other hand, you're going to be here. You're going to be with us where for a while. Are you, where are you going to go? Where Robbie? are you going to go? Which is also a thinly veiled threat, too. Not only I think it's I think it's anti-Semitic what he's saying. And I also th think he is. You also think. I think. I think. <laughs> you I also think. think. I think that he's having a dig at Michael Keaton. Oh, one more thing I have to say that I really like about this, and then I'm done. Well, not completely done, but I'm done with my spiel. Is I I've mentioned it before. Uh, I really love Ron Howard's The Paper. It's another newspaper movie from the '90s starring Michael Keaton. And in the first meeting of everybody. Uh, where you see everyone having a, a meeting with the newspaper editors and you have all the different things. You have Michael Keaton, who's not sitting at the table. He's sitting up on the climate control shelf thing. He's just kind of sitting there with his legs crossed. He's just kind of listening to everybody, which is exactly what his character does in the paper. It's so great. It's it's so satisfying as a fan of that film who he plays a newspaper editor in that movie from the 90s. And then to see him 20 years later, practically playing the same guy uh, well, I mean, if, you're people, a big, if you're a big paper head I hope you enjoy that yeah, I mean you know yeah he played Batman that's cool but have you seen the paper with Randy Quaid oh <laughs> and Michael God. Keaton and Marissa Tomei and Glenn Close and Robert Duvall the cast just keeps getting bigger and grander all right. Well, I've done my thing. Alexis, else? do you, Alexis, do you have anything to add? We're, we're kind of, she's laying down over here on Zoom we don't know if she's listening or she, not are you listening? she's in her honk shoe era <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have headphones on, so of course I'm listening. Uh, yeah, no, uh, and I'm not laid down. I'm just sitting back. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I don't have it. I don't have anything else to say. I the movie. Oh, I don't know. You you touched on some of the things. I took some notes on. So Zach. Uh, well, I wanted to bring up uh, a little fun tidbit from uh, a podcast that I listened to earlier this week called The Fifth Estate. Uh, they did an episode on investigative journalism and they interviewed uh, 
Mike Resendiz, who uh, Mark Ruffalo plays, and he uh, said that his favorite sequence in the movie is the uh, montage where they are putting together the database uh, of the designations uh, in all the directories of the uh, priests. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, too. well, Mike Resendiz loves it because he was like, I was so impressed how dramatic they made that uh, because that was the <laughs> it most... It sure doesn't feel dramatic in the yeah, moment. Yeah, it was like, that took months and it was just mind-numbingly slow work. Tedious. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was fun. Also, the, the co-hosts of that podcast like bring up, wow, Ruffalo really like nailed your voice because he does sound like just fucking like him. So that was my fun fact. Love that. Oh, cool. Alexis, do you have any any other uh, observations or thoughts? Anything you'd like to give a shout out? Oh, you know the guy who plays uh, Patrick? Uh, it's the guy that uh, is one of Garabedian's clients. Yes. And he, yeah. So his name in real life is Jimmy LeBlanc. And you remember how I watched that movie, Boston Strangler, yes. which is also a newspaper movie? Yes. He's also in Boston Strangler. Oh, fuck yeah. Like when I was watching Boston Strangler, I literally heard his voice and I was like, I know this man. I know this man in Spotlight. Yeah. Um. He's, he's like a great <laughs> Boston character actor because he's also in um, uh, that Jake Gyllenhaal movie about the Boston Marathon, uh, Stronger, which I have not seen. I've heard that's good. Mm. Uh, mm. And Is that he's a Peter in... Weir film? Might be. The person no, I... no, no, Peter Weir right? did Patriot's Day. Um, oh. the, <laughs> the Mark Wahlberg one. Uh. Hey, if I was there, the Boston Marathon bombing, it wouldn't have been like that. It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been there. But uh, the person I had lunch with yesterday, she's a, an executive assistant in his office. Wow. Well, well, there you go. Uh, apparently, just, Peter Jimmy Weir LeBlanc is also in Gone Baby Gone. Peter Weir apparently has um, his office is littered with um, Winston Churchill portraits. That's weird. Yes. Right. As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Ooh, yeah." That gives me the ick. Um, mm. What? Oh, there's something else um, I wanted. Oh, go ahead, Alexis. On the day of 9-11, I really enjoy the fact that uh, they pulled down from the Boston skyline. Yep. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, was that funny? Because I said the thing that I enjoy about yep. the day of 9-11. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. That, just, funny? that jumped out as an that, isolate, that, like, that, audio isolate that audio right there. No, I'm with you, Alexis. I was like, only Spotlight could make 9-11 seem like a frustrating speed bump. Yeah. It, I mean, oh no! I just, I just meant that that was like something like it's that, like you said, it's a very understated visual thing. Like that was another thing that I like noted was like when the camera pulls out during the six percent scene, like yep. the the fact that like the day that nine eleven happens, like you start on a, a a a wide shot of the skyline of Boston. And then you pull down to um, see people like going into the Boston Globe, you know, and so and then and then, of course, that's the snafu is 9-11. Yeah, that's that's <sighs> how I describe 9-11 as snafu. You're right, Alexis. Jesus fucking Christ, guys. Snafu. Wow. Oh, I can't use any of, of this. Of the movie. Of the movie. Uh, you know what? Whatever. I don't know. I feel like I've misspoke this whole episode. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're the problem. Yeah. I'm great. Um, yeah, that guy, he just doesn't get us. <laughs> We're talking about you. Um, yeah, I, 
I also, I know that uh, this was another thing that Rosendi's mentioned on uh, The Fifth Estate, which I'll, I'll link this episode in the show notes. Um, but he he talked about how that was, you know, such a, uh, like, issue for them. And, like, they had to stop writing the story. They had to put the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal story on hold because the planes flew out of Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, see, I got excited at I that point that. in the movie because I was like, oh, okay. So while everyone is focused on 9-11, it can give the spotlight crew, like, kind of, it'll buy some time a little bit so they can continue to work on their story. But yeah, everyone just got completely reassigned. Yeah. Which, you know, I understand. Yeah. Because again, yeah, they, yeah. Flew out of the, they flew out of Boston Airport. You're going to have to kind of figure out how that happened. Yeah. Like, what's going on is probably what they were asking. Um, another great line in this film is uh, if it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a village to abuse one. Yeah. Which yeah. arguably could have been the fucking tagline of this film on its poster. Like, there's just so many. 100%. There's so many great lines in this film. Um, also, uh, another great bit is when you have the church choir singing Silent Night over top shots of the spotlight team gearing up to expose the very same church for yeah, preying on when, children. It's when Resendez is writing the first article. Yeah, that's very, yeah. very powerful. Also, this movie, I want to I commend it on its pacing. It's no time is wasted in this film. Yeah. Like, I love it. I think a great little example of that is when you, they kind of, we learn about Gary Beating for the first time. This is in the beginning of the movie. And the four spotlight journalists are in their office and they mentioned the Garabedian's name and then Rachel McAdams says, oh yeah, I know him. And immediately Michael Keaton goes, you know, if there's a way we can get to him, bang, cut to Garabedian. It wastes no fucking time. Like, yeah. I feel like these, these journalists likely wasted no fucking time either. So we have to, I mean, once this thing is set off, the dominoes are just falling all the way. And it, I, there's, I can't think of a single moment in this movie that drags. Yeah, well, I, I know that Resendez also brought up that this was like a fairly quick investigation for them because it, it right. lasted, I think he said, four months. Right. Which, you know, is long for most other, you know, people who work in the newspaper because you're in the daily business. Yeah. Uh, but for, you know, a long-term investigative team, that's fairly quick. Yeah. Um, I also, yeah. I love, I don't know. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love it when, um, so sorry, remind me of Liv Schreiber's name again. Uh, Marty Baron. Marty Baron, during their first meeting, talks about how he's really desiring to file a legal motion to have the church documents unsealed. Oh, so you want to sue the Catholic Church? And you immediately see Michael Keaton's character look, like, excited. Like, cause you know, everyone's a little worried about this guy coming in. Is he gonna, is he here to cut like jobs or what's the deal? And then he hears him say that and he goes, oh, I'm probably gonna get along with this guy. This guy's got cojones. Yeah, and then he goes down and he tells everybody else like, oh, he wants to sue the church. And then Mark Ruffalo's like, that's great. That's great. Yeah, so immediately <laughs> I, you, because also it says so much about their characters where I'm like, okay, this is a gutsy gang of muckrakers right here where you have, uh, that's copyrighted. Uh, you have these these people that are just what immediately these guts a gang of muckrakers what over here. What the fuck? Watch out for that hit. He's a bad egg. Oh my god. Um, yeah, you, you you learn so much about him. Like, okay, these people are gonna stop at fucking nothing because you say something like, "Oh, we're going to do something that no one's ever done before. We're gonna fucking sue the church." It's like, oh, okay. 
challenge except like throw the gauntlet let's pick it fucking up let's do this come on the fact that they're so excited that they're that they're whipped into action uh these gutsy gang of muckrakers that uh, you know it's pretty exciting pretty exciting stuff indeed alexis yeah, I don't know. I just I really enjoy that this movie. It feels like there nothing's wasted. You open with a scene um, where like there's a, an obvious cover up happening right before our very eyes, and it gives us a chance to see how mundane that these cover ups have become mm. to uh, the police officers. And then you get yeah. get into this That's like right. ten thirty meeting within the the within the first like fifteen minutes of the movie, and it shows us that like while people have thoughts, because people have some I you know kind of like thoughts about the the Gagan case but a lot of them still have this faith in the church and that's why everybody's just like you want to sue the church you want to sue the white nobody's gonna like that you know um and and these are all things that are essentially allowing these scenes to happen in every scene like with marty baron he goes and has this meeting with the cardinal and the cardinal you know essentially i don't know without um <laughs> without uh what is the word that i'm looking for um Stating, I don't uh, threatening yeah. him. Mm. He's so threatening. Yes. Yeah, he's so threatening. Yep. Like he 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 hands the, a, a man of Jewish faith uh, a thing of uh, the catechism. Yeah, right. and I was like, that's bold. Yeah. That is a bold move there, Cotton. Well, yeah, it's a um, bold organization. Oh, again, it always comes back to dodgeball. It does as well. come back I'm to so dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, I'm does. so impressed. I'm so impressed with just the, the way that like. Built. <laughs> and just the way that people like refer to cardinal law like throughout the movie he almost sounds like more of like a mythic figure with the way that his influence extends and like kind of that even like comes down yeah that even like comes down to like one scene like towards the end where they say that like cardinal brought down the power of god on them during the porter case yeah. um where like somebody broke their their leg or something skiing or some yeah. shit um yeah, but the the, right. the casual conversations throughout this movie are so good. They feel so natural. You know, I was gonna, um, yeah, I was gonna give a shout out to that because it reminds me a lot of Moneyball in terms of just like uh, it's based on a true story, and you just have all of these actors who just are playing it so straight that it feels like you're watching a documentary. It's just so unstylized that in every just everything seems so natural and every performance, no matter how big or small, just seems so well realized and well performed. It's very, it's a delight. Yeah, it's hard to watch, but it's it's a delight. Yeah. Um, speaking of Moneyball, I got to say uh, another thing I enjoy about this movie. I'm not even I'm not a big ball fan, but like. If you're going to do a movie about Boston, you have to you have to have the Boston Red Sox in there. And I love that there's a whole scene where you have our spotlight journalist at, at a ball game at yeah. Fenway and you have the guy from uh, the, uh so from fun fact, about, going, fun fact oh. about that scene, the actual spotlight team yeah. is sitting behind them in that scene. Are they real? Okay, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah. yeah, that is so cool. Um, that was by accident too. They were, <laughs> yeah, they just they showed just, up yeah, they were they there at the ball game. The <laughs> That's how common it is over there. Um uh, I also want to shout out that we uh, we have some crossover from our last episode on The Silence of the Lambs, which you should go check out. Great film. Oh, really? What's your crossover? Uh, we've got the same composer on this film, hey. Mr. Howard Shore. The music man himself, Howard I Shore. I love you, Howard Shore. Oh, we love it. I love the score for this Did movie. Did you know he did Bella's love yeah. theme in Twilight? 
Did I mention that last episode? You brought that up last time. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> you know the fucked up thing is? I'm probably going to mention it again. The yeah, next you know movie the fucked up says. thing is Yeah, that... especially since you just got, like, the Blu-ray collection yes, of the entire Twilight Saga. I did. You beat Wait. me by one second. Yeah, no, I, I definitely did. I actually went to Best Buy. I told Zach this. I went to Best Buy to get Elvis on 4K Blu-ray, but they didn't have it. But what they did have was Bubba Hotep on 4K Blu-ray. And if you don't know what that Jesus. is, that is a Bruce Campbell, Ozzy Davis horror film where Bruce Campbell plays Elvis. So in a way... You got Elvis. I got Elvis. So that's funny, I'm not mad about that's, it. Uh, that's the Best Buy where I got Alexis her copy of Elvis. It, it, I went to the one in Burbank. <laughs> oh, okay. Different Best Buy. Yeah, I know. Should have gone to that one. I know, I should have. Um, do we have anything else pressing that we want to discuss about this film? Good pun. Fuck. Right? I, that was good. That was a good I pun. Didn't even that. realize that's yeah. what made it good. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, nothing. You know, I, one of the things that I just really, that is very notable about everybody in this is how everybody's made to sound crazy for how paranoid that they are being about the church. But it's like 100% you should be paranoid with like how far reaching the church is, yes. you know? And I one of the things that I love that fucking Garabedian says is... Um, he says, uh, I, I'm not paranoid. I'm just experienced. experienced. Yeah, that's a good line. Listen I'm, listen, I'm not crazy. I'm not paranoid. I'm experienced. Yeah. yeah. You know? I like and and the thing is, is that even at that point, like fucking Mike Resendez, he still goes to the courthouse to check to see if those documents are there. And even at that moment, he's still surprised that the files they, are empty. That they're not there. You know, like he's still he's still so surprised that what are you saying? <laughs> that the, the that those documents are not in the docket, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's why his like speech at that part where it's like, you know, the the, the speech. The part where he goes, need to do it's it again. time, Robbie. They knew and they let it happen to kids. It could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been any of us. We gotta nail these scumbags. We gotta show them that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal. Or a freaking pope! Or a freaking poop. A freaking yeah. perp. So, um. <laughs> so, you delivered that one so yes. Like a freaking perp. Need a pizza can and a freaking perp. <laughs> I, I couldn't. You know, like, I'm like, accent. please finish, Zach. And I could tell you were waiting for me, so I was like, a freaking pope. <laughs> I was. Um, Sorry, you were saying um, when he delivers that monologue. Okay, when he delivers that, and then that next part that I talked about earlier where it's like something broke him, I'm like, I feel like he really still had this idea that the church maybe wasn't as bad, even though at the very beginning of this movie, he's the one who's like, he wants to sue the church, that's great. But even that, like throughout this movie, I think he still has this like small tendril of hope that that the church is not as bad as you know, all this research is kind of piling up to be because when he does finally read those letters from Cardinal Law, that's what breaks him. Yeah. That's what really sends him over the edge of be of really feeling that like, oh, they've broken my faith in this institution in its entirety. Yeah. These those letters like, are fucking brutal. They there's more to them in the really actual are. articles and like Bill stoked the fires of rage within me. It's yeah. just like it's sickening. It's yeah. It's it's not good. And another I, yeah. another that, bit that of the movie makes even more sense now. Another and the, bit of the, and the letter they read in the movie is bad. That's not even the worst one. Uh, something that I Jesus. really enjoyed about it is when you have Mustache Man realize that uh, there's one of these motherfuckers living down the street from him. 
Yeah, the and, trainer yeah. center. Uh, also, we've got to stop referring to Brian Darcy James as Maddie Carroll as Mustache Man. We mean we. It's just me doing it. Well, it's we in the royal sense. <laughs> yeah, it's only, it's only me. Yeah, it's just you. Uh, so, so Mustache Man, he's upset that this guy's Maddie living Carol. in his neighborhood. And it reminded me of that scene from Zodiac where Jake Gyllenhaal is bringing his kid to school, to the school bus, and at the last second decides to pull him off because he knows that there's been threats. I'm going to shoot all the kiddies as they bounce out of the bus. It makes this whole thing real. Now the people that are investigating this stuff, it's affecting their lives. And that is a great scene because then when he realizes that, oh, one of these pieces of shit pedophiles is actually living in my fucking neighborhood, he goes to Michael Keaton and says... You know, can I like tell people in my neighborhood who I know have kids like that this guy lives here? Because this is actually kind of becoming a fucking problem. I have kids. My neighbors have kids. This is dangerous. And Michael Keaton goes, don't worry, we'll tell them soon. And they realize that you have this kind of tough thing in the movie where the more they hold off on publishing this story, it could make them culpable in a small way. Yeah, and then you get that scene in Garabedian's office at the end yes. where... Uh, yes, that's another Garibedian great fucking line. Sa says that uh, this kid in his office was molested in, like, the last couple of weeks, weeks. or something. Exactly, and, and he says he to Mark keep, Ruffalo... Keep doing your work. Yeah, and, can, and then I said, because the church will keep doing theirs. Yeah. So you have to keep doing yeah. your fucking work. So anyways, I thought... Which is... Go ahead. Which is... It further, further, like solidifies the horror of the end credits because it explains that not only was Cardinal Law removed from his post, but after he was removed from his post, he was placed into the Basilica, which is like one of the highest positions yeah. you can possibly yeah. have within the Catholic Church. And then it goes on to list all the different areas and places where they have uncovered massive amounts of scandal. And it is literally the whole fucking world. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? it is. It's a fucking Catholic I, church. Okay, I'm so glad you brought up the end credits because I want to bring up another little blurb that I yeah. got from, uh, I believe it was the Fifth Estate podcast or it might have been uh, the Rewatchables who did a solid episode on Spotlight as well. Um, the director, Tom McCarthy, was originally going to put in a title card about how... Uh, the spotlight team won the Pulitzer for their reporting on this scandal. Right. And the actual members of the spotlight team were like, don't put that in there. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Uh, so shouts out them. You're yeah. uh, you're all great people. Good um, people. I'm very keep jealous. Doing, keep doing your work. I'm very jealous of my friend Jake, who's met uh, Mike Resendiz, but also if I met Mike Resendiz, I could not be normal. Yeah, because no. I, I would I would do the speech because you'd know how often you fucking quote. <laughs> he would, he would look at me and he would see it in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've seen that eyes. I've seen those eyes it's before. It's one of those guys who always does the Mark Ruffalo Oscar clip to me. Yeah. You know, one of those. I'm sure that there's got to be a convention of people like you now. <laughs> yeah, it's called this yeah. apartment. Yeah. Well, I'm all there's there's. There's a whole fucking like thing of movies that are just movies that are meant to inform and instigate and like push you to want to like keep changing things. And this has definitely got to be one of them, yes. you know, and I'm so glad that they that they 
specified that change because they knew that it was never about them yeah. and their accomplishments. It was always about the story yeah. and what the story can change. Yeah, and this movie is decidedly very not Hollywood. And, you know, to bring it back to all the president's men, that was something that the Washington Post reporters were nervous about when Hollywood came knocking going, we're going to do we're going to do Watergate as a movie. And they thought, oh, great. It's going to be all Hollywood eyes. It's going to be cliche. And they're just going to completely kind of like the way they were talking about the Boston Herald. They're going to fuck up the story. Yeah. And like all the president's men, the journalists were kind of relieved to to see the final product of, oh, okay. Like, obviously, they had to make some dramatic compromises, some dramatic choices because it's a narrative. But they they did it really. Oh, Jesus. They Alexis did it really putting, faithfully. They did it really faithfully. Alexis is putting her feet into the lens right now. Oh, yeah. No, I noticed that. And I, I really, not, I thought I'm that was super groovy. I'm she was, my eyes I, I, really, I really like how this, so I think the, the, the cool thing about this, sorry, it's me. It's Quentin Tarantino. I, I love the film. And uh, I just, I love how Alexis's feet and the feet, fuck, fuck, feet, fuck, fuck, fuck. Alexis, put your oh, feet down. Those, Alexis, you really got to bring the feet to feet. Oh, oh I, God. Guys, I got to go. <laughs> it's the Tozy Rosies. <laughs> uh, sorry, Quentin just uh, headed out. I, yeah. He looked, He's our new roommate now. He, he looked fully aroused, <laughs> he I have to be honest. Um, so, do we uh, do we have anything else on the film spotlight? I'm good. I, I thoroughly I enjoyed watching yeah. it again. Great film. Yeah, uh, you know, support uh, support your local newspaper. You know, uh, other than stuff like you know the essentially the Washington Post and the New York Times, like print journalism is dying, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's. Local reporting is yeah. like so fucking important. Uh, it's something yeah. that Resendez harped on in how, his interview. How often, when you see an article online and you click on it and you begin to read it and then you begin to scroll and it's like, oh, subscribe for one dollar and you can read the rest of this article or five dollars a year. How many of you have been like, oh, five dollar or a dollar? Fuck this. Fine, I'll read it someplace else. In the US. I will. I will neither confirm nor deny. nor deny that I turn off my JavaScript function so that uh, I can read articles for free. I see. Well, so Alexis, <laughs> you are you're part of the problem. <laughs> As opposed to me, who's a hero. You are a hero because you actually spent hard earned money. You know what, Zach? You're right. I'm going to pay a dollar to read these stories. No need to, uh, I don't know. Alexis, this is such a beautiful instance. view, Alexis. Jesus Christ. I'm definitely, the last 45 if, minutes. If you're following, us on, if you're following us on Instagram, you'll yes. see what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, Oh my god, did you post that on Instagram? No, but I will. No, but it will be. <laughs> oh no. Um, well, you know, I'm always leaning forward and my back just can't take it. I can't take the I've pressure of holding this podcast together. <laughs> you know? I can't take the pressure of leaning over to look into this camera. I know. And now you just have to look at my crotch and that's fine. All right. Wow. That's not a great way to end a spotlight episode. But that's how it's happening. <laughs> how, it's how uh, we're ending. And it. That's also how we're concluding Academy Darling. It's okay. Part. Yes, Academy Darling. Nick called me a dog earlier. I'm just no, I didn't. My Alexis, guys, I, no, guys we're moving on. No, no I want to say no, no, no Zach. No, I want to say I did not call you a dog. You thought I called you a dog. I was referring to the woof woof sound that I was making. I was not calling you a dog. <laughs> I am. I'm the dog. Yes, you are the dog. When Harry met Sally. <laughs> Great. This has been a great episode, guys. This, this has it. been a great episode. It. So, Academy Darlings is over. And next month, we will be doing 
The film majors April Fools. It's a month of comedy. It's films. a month of comedy. A month of yucks. Wow! I can't wait. No one saw that coming. Yeah. Um. So what's our first milf film milf? What's our first milf that we're watching? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! What? I tried to say movie. With your mouth I tried today. to say movie and film, but it came out as milf. <laughs> so uh, wow. I, I have a pick. Wow. What? Uh, if we are down for it, then. I would like to discuss the 2018 film Game Night. It's directed no, I don't, by... No, I don't well, want to do that one. fuck you. No. Uh, that's going to be our first one? I think so. Game Night? Yeah. It's going to be our girl, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Back-to-back Rachels. And also, I think we should do it next week because the directors, John Francis Daly and oh, Jonathan right. Goldstein, have a new film coming out. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Hell yeah. Are you seeing that with... Are you seeing that with your family, Alexis? Uh, I don't know. I might have to see that by myself. I don't know who wants to go see Dungeons and Dragons with me, but I certainly will be. Anyway, just because give me Chris Pine is the best Chris. That's correct. Yeah, so we're we're in unanimous agreement on we that. We are unanimous. I will uh, say, Chris Evans. I do. I do love you, Chris Evans. So, so yeah, Game Night uh, is a 2018 film directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. It's it a hilarious stars picture. Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams and Jesse Plemons. Uh, indeed, it's Fat Plemons, and we love Fat <laughs> we Plemons. Fucking lo- I. I I stand all sizes of Plemons, but I'm I'm partial to a fat Plemons. We do we are partial to uh, the fat. And uh, you're you're gonna have to rent this one on Amazon Prime or YouTube. That's uh, right. So you know. No, not me. Not us not either. Me. Can't be me because my mom owns that hey. movie. I own this film as well. That's hey. right. So, you know, if you're like <laughs> us and you have an extensive uh, DVD and Blu-ray collection, congratulations. Uh, you were doing you were doing the God's work right there. Uh, and if you'd like to find us on social media, Please you can do. find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Film Majors Pod. And if you want to shoot us an email, please shoot us an email. We want to hear from when you. When was the last time someone emailed us? It's been a while. Oh my god! Uh, and oh, it's been Mitchie's even longer going to since Alexis right now. It's been even longer since someone who was not in my family emailed us. Uh, you can email us at filmmagerspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, give us a suggestion of a film you'd like us to talk about. Uh, tell yeah. us what some of your favorite comedies are. Yes. And uh, Because yeah. I don't think we... Do we have our month figured out yet? We don't have a ton of stuff set other than so this So then, one. listeners, if there's a comedy that you feel has not gotten its due service, its due attention, tell us what it is. And we may, in fact, cover it on this show. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Sure. <laughs> Jury's out. Jury's out. All righty, folks. Well, I enjoyed this. I had a great time. I can't wait to see you all next week for Comedy Month. It's going to be hilarious. We're going to have so Love much it. fun. All righty. All righty, folks. We'll see you. Bye-bye. You ever see a flying idiot? You ever tear wings off a fly? You ever pull wings off a fly? You ever see the fly get even? You ever just like... Uh, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Can I just insert that after the music plays on this episode? You should. <laughs>